0: Hello and welcome to Alan & launch. My name is Bianca Vasilake and I will be your host on the podcast for demystifying both the process of getting into law and where this career might take you. Today's episode is when written applications and skills tests start making sense and in order to truly break down written applications and the questions and how to tackle them and how to best answer them i have with me today lee turner who is one of our trainees he studied law at the university of york and uh, his journey is quite interesting because he was supposed to be a trainee at kwm but we all know what happened with the law firm. So then, uh, so then he had to start afresh and got his ANO training contract. And I also have Lawrence Ridgway, who is also a trainee here. Uh, he studied history at Oxford and then did his masters in Russian studies at Cambridge, and then was policy advisor for the government for a few years before uh, applying for a training contract here. And last but not least, we have Emma Barker, who is one of our Graduate Recruitment Specialists. Thank you all for joining me today. And now let's just kind of dive straight into it. Lee and Lawrence, so I was wondering uh, about your strategy when writing applications. How many applications did you submit? How much time did you take to do the research, write each application, resources that you used, this kind of things?
1: Yeah, I probably made in total around about ten or so applications, I would guess. Um, in terms of how much time, uh, well, it's a quite quite hard to remember exactly how much time I spent <laughs> on them. But um, I won the minute and uh, the second, uh, well, if oh. that is possible. <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean I I, I remember um, sort of during that kind of autumn, sort of trying to set aside maybe a couple of hours each Sunday afternoon, um, just to kind of completely focus um, on on those applications. Um in terms of resources that I found most useful, um I think yeah, I, I think I think probably a, a mixture. Um I think um sort of reading about the areas of law or the sort of topics that interest you and then seeing which law firms seem to seem to be coming up. Um that's that's one quite good approach to start to narrow the field. Um and then also I I actually found um is it is it chambers students? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good resource actually. Um they have really good kind of like honest um and open um appraisals uh, about what life as a trainee
2: might be like in, in various firms. So I think I think that's a very good resource too. How about you, Lee? So interestingly, obviously I've done this twice now. So you're um, the expert well, on this. you could say that. Um, <laughs> so interestingly, the first time, I did around 10 applications. Um, and then on reflection, I thought that was too many when I did it again. Um, so I, I only went for around five or six the next time, um, and with regards to the research that I did. I read, obviously, the firm's website, um, did a search on what kind of deals each firm were doing um, and what what where were their strengths. Um, I used resources like Legal 500, Lex 100, uh, even Legal Cheek, which kind of gives you an idea of an insight of a trainee and what their experience is at that firm. Um, and then, also, it wasn't just online research. It, I had been to open days at these firms and used that as research. Um, I was part of organizations like Aspiring Solicitors, which is a partner with um, Alan and Overy, um, and Rare Recruitment. And I think for me, the most beneficial research was that actual face-to-face meeting people at the firm, hearing about the deals that they were working on and their experiences. So that is the route that I went down. It's very
0: helpful. Emma, do you think, I mean, Lawrence and and Lee have helpfully mentioned quite a few sources from where you can draw to write applications. Do you have anything else to
3: add or any other pointers for that? Um, I think the the website seems uh, an obvious starting point, the corporate site and then the graduate recruitment one, if there is one, Um, potentially then the annual review for the firm, um, because it could encompass some trends or give a broad overview of of the year itself as opposed to sort of trawling all the pages of the website yeah and lastly I'd say social media because it can drip feed over time so you might be looking at each day or building a bit of a picture of the firm over time and um, on LinkedIn as well you can follow people within a firm so you could follow our senior partner for example who published an article and that might give you a bit of an insight into the, the culture the strategy where the firm's headed so that that could complement the main site yeah. or even if it just directs you to the most relevant and timely news, because uh, as you know, online there's such a wealth of information that you can't possibly read it all. Um, so I guess it's good at extracting um, some interesting topics that the firm wants to talk about or wants you to hear about.
2: Um, I would also recommend on Twitter, I follow um, Legal Week, um, uh, the lawyer, because they regularly provide updates on deals that the firms are doing. So I, I find that quite useful and still today it's interesting to read. So um, I would, if I was doing it again, I would have followed them earlier just to keep um, track of what's going on in the market.
0: That's very helpful, and which kind of leads me to the next question, which is, okay, you've gone through this whole process, you've done the research, you've written everything. How do you know you are submitting your best application? And is there value in getting a second opinion from a friend or, I don't know, collaborating with classmates?
2: Um, so for me, I went to a lot of these application sessions. And then as being a member of rare recruitment and aspiring solicitors, they were there to offer that support and proofreading application forms and giving advice on what firms are looking for in an application form. Um, but then I think for the first time, you never know whether your applications um the best one to be submitting. It's kind of trial and error so you submit one and then some firms some firms and some firms don't but some firms provide feedback okay. um and they give me they give me individual feedback on my application form and that was through rare recruitment so then from that i use that to develop and then if they start to get accepted then you have an idea of that you're going down the right route um and covering the right things but i'd 100 get someone to proofread it if you can um, and then if if your university friends are applying as well, um, yeah, I don't see any harm working with them, asking what they've looked at um, and what what, um, what they would recommend. So, collaboration, I guess, is a good idea. But I didn't do it personally.
0: Okay. How about you, Lawrence? I think you have quite a different experience having been in the workplace when you were actually applying.
1: Um, yeah, maybe. Although, although having said that, I mean, I think I think a lot of things that Lee was saying, um, you know, apply. at at whatever stage of your career um, or you're you're, you're looking to apply um, to to join the law firm. Um, I think that, yeah, having somebody proofread it, if there's somebody that you trust um, enough to to look at your work and you're comfortable looking at it, that that's a really good idea. Um, Having said that, if there is nobody in that position, um, I think you can, once you finish the application, just put it to one side, come back to it two, three days later, look at it again and you you will always find things that you missed the first time around. Unfortunately, it's all too easy to see what you meant to write as opposed to what you've actually written sometimes. Um, In terms of collaborating, yeah, I I suppose I think um, it can be really helpful to speak to other people about the firms you're interested in and why it is that you're interested in them. Um, But what I would say is that I think it's always really important that the application is your own application. Um, Because I think at the end of the day, the application that you you feel most pleased with and you think, yeah, this is one that I'm really happy with, is the application that you read back and you think, yeah, actually, I am really excited to be applying for this job. Um, This really... I feel, you know, represents what I'm interested in um, and yeah, I, I think uh, we all sort of know when we've written an application that is us trying to be something that we're not. So I think you know, the best one is when you can look back at an application and think, yeah, that absolutely is what I'm excited in and I'm really looking forward to the interview if, if I get to that stage. That's, for me, what, what a good application feels like.
0: Uh, I remember something I found useful was I would read my application out loud. And if it didn't sound like I do when I speak, then it meant I still had some work to do on it because it wasn't like just truthful to myself. And when it did, I was like, okay, it's ready. Time to go. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, and now just kind of breaking down the application more in a more detailed way. Um, obviously there are the academics. And one of the concerns of most applicants is how important are these academics and whether they're just a threshold they need to meet and once you have they like don't matter anymore,
3: or do you look in more detail at them? What I'm, what's important to remember, I think, is that we look at your application in its entirety. So academics are part of this, but we'll also look at your work experience. So whether that's legal, non-legal or voluntary, we'll be looking at whether you demonstrate the attributes that we're looking for. And, Uh, The quality of your written application, which we might come on to, but sort of spelling, punctuation, grammar, attention to detail. We now have a situational judgment test, which is another data point. So all of these things are considered alongside academics. So I think we're really keen to understand the journey that that person's been on. And, you know, not everyone performs Consistently in the academics over time. People have various experiences at different points in their life, and we will take into account mitigating circumstances. But equally, a lot of people will reach a 2 1 um, in their degree, so therefore we have to delve a bit deeper and look at a sort of modular breakdown. And ideally, we would be looking for sort of consistent performance. And if for any reason there have been lower grades, that they've sort of shown improvement over time.
0: And why you would recommend to a candidate who doesn't meet the grade requirements?
3: Um, I think there's normally on graduate recruitment websites a contact that's listed. um, And I think it's probably beneficial to have a conversation before spending the time and effort on an application. And I think they'll be able to manage expectations and give advice because... um, with our minimum entry requirement, if we were to allow some people to go through the process that didn't meet it, then we would have to do that for all. Mm. So it really is a case by case and it would be down to mitigating circumstances or another explanation. So I think at least if you ask that question, you can get that answer before you, you spend the time on the application. And at different firms, there'll be sort of different entry criteria as well. So I think explore all of those people to be quite transparent about what they're looking for as well. Um, so you can partly do your research before you apply to that firm?
0: Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. And now moving on to the other parts of the application, I was thinking about taking the structure of pretty common written applications and just break down the different sections and discuss about common questions that might come up, common pitfalls and your advice and recommendations on them. So the first one I had in mind was the work experience section. Because I know sometimes, or at least I was wondering, especially when I was doing my training contract applications, how far back I should go? Should I list what I did in high school and how, I don't know, all the societies that I did? And um, I know this differs by application, but what are your thoughts on it?
3: um so for work experience i think the key thing you need to think about first is what you've done and what you've gained from it so um and also when we say what you've done whether that's legal non-legal voluntary because i think people sometimes think that it's just the legal um work experience we're interested in and that um, goes hand in hand with the second part what have you gained because if any of them have developed the skills that we're looking for that means they're valuable and they're, they're something that you should include so I think it's probably good to sort of be an expert on yourself and think about what you've done and, and gained and um I say typically probably the last five years or if you're part of multiple societies or been to more than one open day can you combine it in any way rather than sort of rewrite the same thing however if people do choose to do them separately that's Not wrong. Um, And the other thing I'd encourage is a bit of detail. The person reading it has no idea who you are. They've never met you. They don't know what you've done, what you gained from that experience. So you you do need to give them a bit of detail there. But you also need to strike the right balance. You don't need to say verbatim what you did in each role day to day and lengthy paragraphs necessarily because we do want you to just extract the key things that you did and the things that you've learned. But it can look quite different sometimes people bullet point sometimes people write quite a lot more some less so it's a style thing really and I can't say that anyone is necessarily exactly right I just challenge yourself and read it and be like do I know what if I were to read this do I know exactly what that person did yeah and and if I've written quite a lot is there some words is each word meaningful or adding to this application because as you can appreciate it's high volume when we read a lot so really we do want we do want the highlights and the most relevant bits um um rather than sort of extracting them ourselves yeah what do you think
0: this question was quite important for you given that <laughs> you had gone to uni uh, the yeah. masters
1: then worked No, sure sure no you're right um which um no you're right I mean so in in, in for me um when I was putting down my work experience yeah I obviously um Put put down mostly more more recent things that I had done uh, work that I had done since entering the, um, the the formal world of work. Um, whereas I uh, put less weight in in my application actually on some of the, the previous legal experience I had. Um, so uh, when I was an undergraduate, I had done uh, some vacation schemes, but um, you know sort of four years, five years later, um, when I would subsequently done um, other. Um, more substantive work um than than, than uh, vacation scheme work um obviously that took more of a priority and, and a far greater weighting um so yeah I, I think it really does depend on on where you are um you know but having having said all of that the key thing is is what you've got out of each um each each experience so you know i, I wouldn't automatically dismiss say you know time that you spent working maybe when you were 16, 17 behind a till or as a cleaner, you know, whatever it may be as a weekend job, you know, if that can demonstrate teamwork, commitment, really good timekeeping, those are really good skills that actually, it is quite hard to demonstrate purely through, through your academics. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, some work often from what can feel like quite a long time ago um, can actually still be very relevant um, to, to an application. Um and then yeah, in, in terms of what you're asking, the sort of formatting, bullet points or not? Um, yeah, for me personally, I was I always think yeah, bullet points with full sentences is is, an, is a happy in between. It gives. Clarity, but also lets you tell it's your best story. best both worlds. I, I think so. I think so.
0: <laughs> I, I remember this was a question I had, and I think it's also down to firm preference. And it might be one of the questions worth asking when you go to workshops or open days, because I remember some firms specifically said they wanted narrative form, whereas other firms said they didn't care whether it was bullet point or narrative. So it might be worth checking um but regarding the detail that you go into and the skills that you gained is it worth in the work experience section kind of actually saying the skills that you gained or are they implied from your description of what you've done
3: i think it's difficult like say you've been part of a netball team or a hockey team by virtue that you are part of a team a shared goal to hopefully win (laughs) but um you're the one who always
0: wanted to make the team lose (laughs) yes
3: (laughs) but um something else I don't know maybe I don't know you've gone to a tech startup what is it because you're curious about technology has it increased your knowledge about this area that's maybe less obvious and even if it is obvious to restate in the team you worked as part of a team and learn to collaborate with others There's not really much loss in adding that extra sentence. Some will even go further and say, and this links with an attribute that I think you're looking for. And again, I think it's a style piece um, and how you present it. Um, uh, But certainly, yeah, if it's not immediately obvious. Uh, What did you do when
0: you were writing
2: the work experience section? for me so thinking back to the specific work experience section i wouldn't necessarily explain the skills gained as much as i would do in there's normally a question about hobbies and extracurriculum activities i think that is the bit uh, area where i would specifically pick out skills that i'd learned from the tasks that i had done um but, but with the work experience section maybe the work experience that doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily legal in nature maybe they are the best ones to pick out those skills and to make it applicable back to the job that you're applying to um but with regards to skills i, I definitely focus more on that in the extracurriculum activity question um because you're very limited on the words that you can write um, about your experience
0: yeah That I mean, that makes sense. I mean, the word limit was helpful, but sometimes I find it very restricting. And I was kind of just focusing on the tasks and trying to get everything in. And then, as you said, in the later sections, I would kind of develop on the skills more, which leads me nicely into the first, usually it's the first substantive question on application forms, which is a variation of either why law, why commercial law, why commercial law in the city, or something along these lines and it's always very important to tailor it to the firm but ultimately it's your journey of why you chose law so how do you go about tailoring to each particular firm
3: i think a good starting point is thinking about your personal motivators or drivers because we read a lot of applications so if it's true and authentic and it's it's genuine it will probably read a bit better um for applications to ano cuz we're a commercial law firm it's interesting when people speak about different types of law sometimes family law or something different cuz that can then we then may think i'm not sure they know that they're applying to a firm that specializes in this <laughs> whilst it might be an outside interest so i think it's good to think about how you position something
0: mm-hmm. okay how about um the former applicants what what do you think about this more generic question
1: yeah i i mean i think it's um yeah, to be honest with you, I think that probably is the hardest uh, question on the application. Why law? Why commercial law? It's it's um, you know, especially within a word limit as well. It can feel very difficult um, to to give a good answer. I think that the key is to make sure that it it does stay as your application, um, and that um, you know. Uh, I would say the starting point should never be um, to pretend that you have an interest in leveraged finance if you have no idea what leveraged finance is, because it'll be very obvious on the application that you don't really know what it is and you don't really have an interest in it. Um, so I think a far better approach is to really focus on what, what is it that, that that has got you interested in this area in the first place? Maybe that's a certain geography. Maybe that's... Um, uh, sort of technology, maybe that might be environmental. okay, you know, all of these are are completely um, valid starting points for you to then use that as a launch pad to then go into, well, you know how is how are these areas um, of relevance to the sorts of clients that the firm that you're applying to um, uh, uh, deals with um, and then sort of take your application in that direction. Um, so yeah, I, I think whilst absolutely you, you want to be tailoring it, to the firm you're applying to, um, I, I don't think that you should be writing necessarily only what you think they want to hear. I think y- yeah. y- you should still always be um,
2: trying to put you know, yourself across. Yeah. For me, I can always remember um, like reading newspaper articles on whether it was companies merging with one another, um, whether it is banks, anything to do with um, big organisations, and then wanting to... Read more about them and how it actually took place. Whether it was like um, a mobile network merging with another one, it was that kind of interest that spurred me to be interested in commercial law to actually understand how a company merges with one one another. And then for me to bring it back to the firm is like if maybe a newspaper article that you read and a big movement in in a specific company, um, it could be a client of one of the firms that you're applying to, um, and. And if that's the kind of deals that you want to be working on, then that's a good way to kind of tie in your interest in kind of the news and the commercial awareness sense of things and bringing it back to the actual firm that you're applying to and, um, and why you actually want to be working on them deals yourselves. Yeah. Um, so using specific examples, I think, is very beneficial. Um, and whether it's like a deal that you've read about or spoke to someone about, you um, instead of making it just a generic answer that you can copy and paste across the board, make sure it gives specific examples. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say out of the questions, that's probably one of the hardest ones to answer.
0: Yeah, I I used to kind of structure it like a two-tiered answer. Like I would go into why law, which was always just my own personal story, independent of the firm I was applying to because well, that's why I wanted to do law in the first place before knowing whether I wanted to even be a solicitor or a barrister. And then I would kind of transition into the tailoring, like thinking about the departments of the firm I was applying to and different interests of the firm and subtly, very, of course, suggest the, um, the subtly tailoring it. But the, the other very common question is not as general, and it is why this law firm? And here, I mean you we have the websites, we have so many sources of information and many times I think it can be difficult to know how many reasons you should put down because you don't want it to sound like an enumeration. You want to explain them well enough, but then at the same time, it's a very limited sp- a very limited number of words. So I was wondering how you approached it.
3: I'd encourage um, applicants to read the question because sometimes it will be like, what's the key reason that's led you to apply? And therefore, I think they're looking for you to focus on one thing and talk about it in depth. And I think, as you say, that the risk with listing things is that you never really go in any detail and we're not really sure what has motivated you to apply. But it can look different um, for many people like Some people may say, I know, um, they're really interested in the sort of technology intersection between law and they feel we do well in that space and that kind of leads the answer in that direction. Um, um, So I think you really just do need to bring it back to the firm in particular rather than, you know, you've got a global um, reach. Well, a lot of firms will have that. Uh, Or if you list how many offices we have, People can easily do that. Um, So you kind of need to balance it with a bit of description and explanation. Um, I think if it's purely descriptive, that's when it is perhaps more regurgitative. And the explanation will be the bit where you fit in your personal motivators or drivers, as we've discussed before, or things that are more specific about the firms. And that might be our core areas. But as I said, it could be our advanced delivery. It could be culture. And that might link with having met someone at an event, which kind of shows your drive and motivation. And as you can see, you've already kind of bulked out the answer there. And i will probably say that one's quite a difficult one because people feel like they need to put something very unique. But actually, keep it simple. And what has genuinely
2: motivated you to apply that to the firm, that's, that's all that
3: we're really looking for there.
2: It's really hard to differentiate some of the firms. But like you said, culture is probably the one of the main or the biggest factor for me when it was when I was choosing between firms, so that's something that I, I definitely mentioned because obviously going to open days and comparing firms against each other and who you spoke to, that's a really um, good topic to cover.
3: And um, just to add there about um, naming a representative, uh, there is no harm in doing that. But I think my personal opinion that I'm extracting from that is that the students taking the time and effort to attend an event, or, and they're showing the drive and motivation there, as opposed to who they met because that is is less important and you know a lot of people might refer to the graduate recruitment team but we go to a number of events so it's more what did you gain from speaking to that person or it shows that you've before you've even submitted the application you've taken the time to do some research sort of on the ground so um it, it's not so much the name dropping but it, it it does it does show broadly that you you know you are investing time into getting to know the firm and finding out whether it's the right place for you which is equally. It's a two-way process. So I think that's important. How about
0: mentioning the firm's rankings, let's say in different departments that you're interested in? Is that helpful in this answer? Or is it more like you're trying to flatter the firm?
3: I think where appropriate, it's fine. You know, you might be really interested in the life sciences group or and notice they've done a lot of big deals within that sector or really interested in that sector team. And actually that's just showing you've kind of explored that in more detail. Yeah. I guess if you were just listing off everything, all the accolades <laughs> of the firm, it might appear the insincere yeah, the other way. But I think irrelevant if you tie it in. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's necessarily flattery. I think perhaps it's just saying you're performing really well in this space and it really interests me and, and that appeals, appeals to me and motivates me to want to work here.
0: Another type of question that I feel often comes up is about is something about the future trends or challenges uh, of the firm and its clients. How do you go about identifying them? Kind of how many do you include, and do you focus on like the firm's core departments and clients, or can you go a bit more niche?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I also um, remember a lot of the. Uh, applications that I wrote um, had a question like that or or similar questions like that. For instance, um, for me, uh, I have a a real interest in in Russia, I used to live in Russia. Um, So when it came to these kinds of questions about general trends, I had a lot to talk about uh, to do with the effect of Russian sanctions. Um, That then got me quite interested in reading about capital markets and about how companies raise finance. Um, So so that sort of led me um, to read more stories uh, um, about the the, the activities of central banks and the impacts of interest rate, things like that. So I think it's by reading, starting off the things that interest you, but just having an eye on how it might affect commercial law firm's clients that you can quite quickly build up quite a good um, sort of reservoir of of general understanding um, that that can really provide a a really good launchpad for questions like this.
3: I have two more sort of practical tips on how to approach the question. So again just read the question so i would imagine that most would say talk about a challenge or trend that will affect the sector because they're trying to get you to focus on one thing so that we can see your understanding better rather than sort of listing a plethora of things that could affect so that will allow you to focus your answer secondly we're talking about the future so we don't need to hear about the past the present and now then what's happening in the future because you'll have used all your work out explaining that, that evolution you need to just say this is what's coming up in the future and this is how I anticipate it will affect the business. So so just to summarise, you're probably going to focus on one trend or challenge and you'll be looking at how it's going to impact the firm in the future. And in that, that will really allow you to focus your answer and strike the right balance between description and explanation, which is where the majority of written applications, probably fall short, because it's mainly descriptive. And really, we are looking for a bit of opinion or explanation around that piece so whilst it might be well written um, and quality in the sense of sort of spelling grammar and punctuation it's not actually really saying much or going into that explanation piece and I think as we can't really give feedback at the written stage a lot of the time that's probably where it's the differentiator and it can be quite marginal pushing someone through to interview and not. Yeah. So, so really challenge yourself. And something we mentioned earlier was sort of pre-reading. You don't need to be a legal expert, but you could say to someone, have I answered the question here? A sense check in that or have I focused enough? Do you think I'm weighting the explanation and the description evenly? And, I, and that would challenge you to put your best application forward, I think.
0: Just to kind of summarize the main points, in terms of identifying these trends, because it's quite difficult as an outsider to know what will affect the firm, so you need to take them from somewhere especially if you don't have work experience. I understand that, for instance, Lawrence talked about just speaking about something that you're passionate about and then trying to apply it to the firm. Um, But for instance, I was looking at the annual report usually, and I was looking at market trends there, and then I would read articles, see if I'm interested in it. So I was just wondering if you had some other suggestions on on how to actually identify them.
3: Well I think technology is a good example like um, how we hail a cab or order food now is completely different to five years ago so you can kind of look at technologies and it's affecting all industries and then drill into it more specifically within law so I don't necessarily think as we've got applicants from all sorts of degree disciplines and, and careers um there can be some not more obvious trends but you know technology is affecting the workplace in all industries and why do we use technology? What are the risks and benefits? And applying that to the law. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it has to be a, a legal specific trend all the time. Um, and it just has to be one that you're comfortable with um, talking about. And then that will, that will come across. Uh,
2: and another thing I would say is make sure you are generally you and you know what you're writing about and you're generally interested in it because in a lot of interviews they'll pick up on this question and ask you to go into more depth sometimes um and and the way like i said before you have to make this very firm specific so uh, if you're using technology example then you would mention about you and fuse and then if you've come to open days you might have found out that um, we use a lot of the technology like legatics in the actual day-to-day life of a firm and i think that's the way you can really stand out is by yes saying this is a challenge and but then making it firm specific on how that firm is doing something about it or how is kind of responding to that challenge.
0: That makes perfect sense to me. And, and I think it's, it's quite useful for applicants to understand. Um, another quite tricky question, and it's similar in a way, is sometimes on application forums, you have a question of which asks you to choose a topic that you're interested in and explain how that impacts the firm and the client. So not necessarily a market trend, but a topic. So many people hear it would be a topic or it would be an article many times. And I think, again, the big question is how do you go about choosing it? And if it has to be something that's relevant for the firm's core departments to show that you're interested in the firm's kind of core moneymaker departments.
3: Yeah, I think the key thing you say there is relevance seeing it. Brings me back to the earlier point of this as a commercial law firm. So I don't know, it might be retail. Like there's quite a lot happening in this sector with um, a lot of um, commerce moving online. And then how does that impact the high street or real estate, um, things like that? But um, I think it would come across if that interests you, because, you know, you can then talk about it in more detail. But I don't think... It might not necessarily be that they're a client of ours or anything like that, but that is a business, and it's and that's we work with businesses. If you know, so I wouldn't choose something too out of the box or something that the business wouldn't necessarily advise on. It doesn't necessarily have to be a client that we have, but it has to be relevant in the sense that it's applicable to commercial law or something that that would would be something that A and would be involved in. I think that's how you'd um reduce the number of topics you could talk about because essentially yeah. you could talk about anything there.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I mean I think that's that's um that's definitely got to be right. Um you know, but I think that doesn't mean that you have to choose um, say specifically something on um, banking law or specifically something on um MA law. Um, you know, I think that if You've been reading, say, an awful lot about um, human rights. Well, you know, I think that that can be a completely fair topic to, to write about. And I think business the cha- and human rights is, yeah, a, exactly. is it's, a very it's interesting topic and topical yeah. issue right now. Yeah, as well. certainly for AO and, and for sort of firms generally. I, I think what you can show in your application um, is that you've thought through. What is the commercial impact, say, of of human rights? And obviously, that's going to maybe direct the reporting might directly affect their bottom line. Um, Say, um, uh, 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 consumer preferences for for more ethical products um, might also um, affect uh, what what their operations are. Um, Say, investors looking for ethical investors might affect their source of finance. Um, So there's all these avenues you can go down, which absolutely go to the core of of what a lot of our um, core departments uh, do um, whilst also write about a topic that genuinely interests you. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's different approaches you can take, but I don't think you have to feel that you must write about, um, you know, asset-based financing <laughs> very in the very narrow sense of the word. Yeah. Just because that might be what what uh, the firm you're applying to has has um, a strength in.
0: Yeah. And lastly, many application forums have this question that's ever elusive, or to me at least it was, in which it just says, do you have anything to add or do you have any additional comments? And I always struggled with this because I was thinking, wait, should I list now? Like, I don't know, because I did a lot of meeting, but I didn't put it as work experience. Should I add it here? Or like, what are they expecting me to write in this section so that I don't seem like I'm waffling?
3: I think here it's just an opportunity to capture anything that you might not have in other sections essentially like for example yeah maybe you don't want to put extra as a, a piece of work experience so you'd be like I don't know I'm the captain of the hockey team or grade 8 piano whatever it might be but it's also not a miscellaneous dumping ground I guess for every minor thing that you've achieved so I think you could essentially leave it blank if you feel like everything else has been captured.
0: And this kind of leads me to the end of the written applications. And I, I was just thinking about skills tests, such as verbal reasoning or watson Glaser or situational judgment. So how did you prepare for this kind of test?
1: Um, okay, yeah. So in terms of how I prepared for them, um, yeah, I, I practiced quite a lot. Um, you know, what's the adage, you know, to, um, failing to prepare is preparing to fail is that yeah rings rings about yeah i mean i think it's very yeah. true in the sense of um the first time you do one they might seem quite daunting they might seem quite hard but yeah, you know, i think there's often a um, a certain way in which the questions are formulated because they're trying to get you to think in a certain kind of way or rather show that you can reason in a certain kind of way um so i think that practicing them definitely helps you crack that um i mean i remember i downloaded um, a, an app onto my phone um, and each morning i would make myself do one of these tests and after a bit of time you, you just get a lot better at them um, and they sort of become a lot more um, a lot a lot more straightforward to do
2: yeah uh, i just practiced, um, check other firms' websites. They have practice on there as well. Um, But one thing I do want to mention is that if you have anything like dyslexia, make sure you mention that to the firm because they can make time adjustments. And that was one issue for me with Watson Glazer as it's time restricted.
0: Just practice, practice, practice. And now I was thinking about having, as usual, a fire round of three off-the-wall questions. Uh, (laughs) Emma here is looking very excited about it. (laughs) Um, Starting with something quite easy. Um, What snack can you just not get enough of?
3: Jaffa cakes. That was a very
1: decisive answer. (laughs) Um, oh, you said it would be easy. This is not easy at all. It's
0: hard. <laughs> then I don't know um, how you'll find the other ones.
1: I yeah. Uh, mm, I would probably choose. Um, I think I'd choose olives. Love love olives. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Any type of olives? I have no idea what they're called, but those kind of like sort of little kind of purpley black ones there. The, oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, those are yeah. pretty good, actually. Absolutely. That or like the really large green ones. I mean, they're the two opposites. But...
2: <laughs> How about you, Lee? Um I really have a thing for Doritos at the moment um, with Ooh. a mild salsa sauce. Um, I'm not very good with spice, so yeah, very mild with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Then the next one a bit more difficult. This is a bit of an imagination exercise I would say. So, how how would the world change if superheroes and supervillains actually existed?
2: <laughs> um. Um. less need for emergency services if Batman can come and save you or Spider-Man can come and help you and might be less reliant on emergency services that's all i can think of mm-hmm. i mean it'll be a lot better place
1: um i think yeah i think i think you know applications for things like training contracts, would really have to, like, up their game. Because, you know, if, the, if, if competitors, you know, sort of skills you've gained, I can fly. Well, you know, just, like, it makes my organising of that, you know, it makes my sort of captaining the tennis team look a bit rubbish, really, doesn't it? So, I, say, I
0: saved London from a super tsunami. Yeah,
1: yeah. and, can you really know...
3: I was, <laughs> no. I was thinking, could we remove the commute to work?
2: Oh, yeah. Because could we
3: just...
0: Get a superhero to fly you to yeah. work? Yeah.
2: Maybe like Uber, but for superheroes, <laughs> pick you up from your house. Yeah.
3: Because that would improve
0: our We would need much. a lot of superheroes, given how many commuters there are in London. And now this brings me to the last one. And this last one is something that I'm hoping to leave the listeners with. Besides your or in addition to your very helpful and valuable advice. So I was wondering if you could give any book, film, music, or any other cultural recommendation to our
1: listeners. Does does it have to be law-specific?
0: No, it doesn't. (laughs) It would be a bit weird if... I mean, it wouldn't be, but, you know, this is supposed to be fun and relaxing or just interesting, which law is. It is both fun and interesting. Less relaxing, though, so...
3: Well, I recently went to see Bon Iver, and I'd recommend if you're any Ooh. anywhere in any country and you get the opportunity to see them, I definitely would. Sounds like fun.
1: Um, because I can't think of any plays or anything like that that I've seen recently. Um, I am going to make a plug for my favourite film. I say that everybody should watch it. And that film is Goodbye Lenin. Um, absolutely fantastic film. Really interesting insight into... Um, east germany if if that interests you um and it's a really good soundtrack um brilliantly acted danny brood is amazing in it um and it's really funny as well
2: how about you lee so i'm gonna make a recommendation um that uh, for a film that i've never seen myself but i need to go and see is the lion king i've never seen the lion king and i know it's not even the disney version i've never seen any not the the original film not the production so, in so, London so,
1: so if I said Akuna matati you would literally I have no idea, idea what we are talking, talking
2: about, about no. on that
3: note we're off to the theatre
0: yeah quickly. exactly
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so thank you all for joining me today I'm sure the listeners found this very helpful and very informative definitely and uh, yeah thank you thank you very much for coming Thanks, thank you Kurt. thanks Don't forget to tune in for our next episode when I will talk with Tom Sancliffe, a former ANO associate and current co-founder of Tribe, a sports and nutrition brand. So as you might have already guessed, from this description, we will talk about quite a different career path, one that at least for the second half has nothing to do with law. Thank you all for listening and remember to follow us on social media and check the graduate website. We have a lot of interesting content that we're posting regularly. See you all next time.